Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Careers in Health podcast. My name is Todd Fraser. Joining me today on the podcast is Dr. Anita Holland, who is a general practitioner on the Sunshine Coast of Queensland, Australia. Anita, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you. What was it that initially uh, attracted you to the um, the profession of general practice, Anita? Uh, so when I finished medical school, I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Um, I thought I'd quite like to do psychiatry, so I did that for a year in the UK and decided not quite quickly. I liked it, but I liked missed the physical aspects of medicine. So then I thought I'd do general practice training again in the UK. And as I went through the different specialities, if something caught my eye, then I'd stop and carry on with that. Um, and the one that strangely did was obstetrics and gynaecology. I thought that was really, really interesting. Loved all the delivering babies bit, but thought practically, will I be able to keep up the pace of lots of night shifts and long hours long term how would that fit in with my life so I thought well maybe if I carry on going with general practice I'm still going to get to do lots of that but much better hours much more flexibility so that's why I stuck with general practice um the more I've done the more I've really enjoyed it because a lot of it's about building up relationships with people and getting to know them in the community and as a family member um, so it's one of those jobs that actually does get more enjoyable with the more time you do it. What's a, a, an average day like for you as a general practitioner? Um, so this practice is open from eight till five, but uh, we are very flexible. So we can start, I live a bit of a drive away, so I start normally seeing patients at eight till nine o'clock. Some of the other guys are dropping kids off at work, so they'll start maybe like nine or even a bit later. Um, and again, we've got flexible times when we finish. Um, so generally, we'll see on average between about 20 to 25 patients a day. At the moment, with the COVID-19, we are doing a fair proportion of those by telephone consult. Yep. Um, I'm not sure where that's going to lead in the future, though it is useful for some of the consults. Um, so we'll normally see patients between the 8, 9 o'clock till about 1 o'clock and then have an hour's breaks which is quite a luxury compared to other other parts of medicine and in that time you're free to you know go out for a walk or some, sometimes the guys go for a surf or a swim um, or um, if you've got things you need to chase up in that time frame and then we normally finish seeing patients at about 4.45 and then once we've completed paperwork we're all out of here by 5.30. So in the course of a normal day, what are the sorts of things that you do? When you say you see patients and you see yes. 20 odd patients a day, yeah. what does that entail for you? So um, it's a lot of them are patients, again, that you already know. So you already know a lot yep. of their background, their past medical history, their family history. Um, so that makes it a lot easier. So you can normally just get straight into the problem with them. So a lot of the time it will be maybe on average, it'll be somewhere between maybe one and four problems that you'll see them for. Um, and there it's on a 15 minute would be one or two 30 minute consult would be more for your three or four problems um, and so it would just be history taking uh, examination differential diagnosis and arranging any investigation and follow-up as required so we, we just see just about everything here you can um, which is one of the things I like about GP have a special interest so I do a lot of eating disorder medical monitoring stuff um, and obviously obstetrics. So I do a lot of antenatal and postnatal checks. So how far do you go with that? Like what, when, when you say that you do a lot of um, obstetric stuff, what yeah. does that involve? So I do this, some of the shared care from the hospital. Right. So it, it, we've got like a, a, 
quite a straightforward plan that we follow and it tells you each visit what tests you need to do. Right. Um, and then likewise, they do certain tests and everything is sent backwards and forwards or written in the patient's handheld record so you know exactly what all the test results are. And if there's any issues, then I can just ring up the antenatal ward or birth suite and discuss it directly with someone there and if a patient needs seeing, they'll just take them in and see them straight yeah. away. So it's, it's very, very well supported here. Yep. Um, and it's, it's one of those jobs where you get happy, well people coming in. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a bit unusual yeah, for, for medicine. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and again, when you come, when you see the baby on the other side, that's all pretty, that's all pretty special as well. What are some of the things that general practitioners can do to branch out into specialty areas? Um, certainly with our local hospital and health service, they offer in lots of specialities. So um, I know paediatrics do, the breast clinic do, dermatology. Um, I'm not sure if there is any obstetrics and gynaecology, but certainly a lot of specialities do have GPs with special interests just helping out at the clinic. So you can do that by yourself like I do in your clinic, but you can actually work at the hospital doing that kind of work as well. Yep. Or some doctors work as a clinical assistant, so they'll actually be assisting in operating theatres as well. Yep. So there's all of those options if you do want to do more specialised or hospital-based care. So you mentioned that the relationships are one of the key things for you, the relationships with your patients. Mm. Why is that satisfying professionally? It's, <coughs> I, I mean, all of us, I guess, quite like working with people unless we're working in a laboratory, if we go into medicine. Um, but it's, it's actually getting to know the whole person, not just the illness and getting to know how that illness affects them, how, it, how they can get better, what they feel like when they get better and they're back to their normal function in life. It, yeah, it makes the job really satisfying. What else about general practice do you find appealing? What gives you great satisfaction? Um, making a rare diagnosis doesn't happen very often. <laughs> Pretty excited when it does happen. <laughs> um, I think all of us like that in medicine, though. So when you, when you do that and you sort of pick something up by yourself, that's really, that's really exciting. Or seeing someone get better. Um, terminal care is satisfying in a very hard way obviously um, mm. that you can support people through those kind of hardest moments in life um, that'd be the main things really what do you find frustrating about it medicare yeah um, so for a lot of things you there's a certain it's all to do with billing and what codes you're allowed to put in and we're all very aware of um, having a Medicare audit so that you're always worried that if I bill that am I, am I done the right thing and you're double checking that with your colleagues it's that kind of stuff really it's yeah. the, the administrative stuff and for example there's certain two things you're not allowed to build together though people are they're not going to just come in with one problem like there's two things that you're not supposed to build like a mental health care plan and a physical review but people will often come in with the two things together yeah, yeah. so you'll end up out of pocket because how else are you supposed to do it yeah it strikes me that the practice administration is a stressful thing. Making mm. that a successful business that can generate an income for all of its practitioners seems mm. to be a struggle for some. Is that yes. the reality? It is. I think that's why most of us are in a group. So yeah. um, what I'm on is what a lot of GPs are. It's called a serviced office agreement. So we're contractors to the business. So right. the business is owned by a separate person. Sometimes it's owned by another doctor. Ours isn't, it's owned by a businessman. And he employs um, nursing staff, admin staff, and a practice manager. And then as doctors, we contract, and then we get paid a certain amount of billings, and the rest of the billing money goes to supporting the practice upkeep and the staff. Right. But that works if you've got to have a certain number of doctors to be able to do that, obviously. What does training in general practice look like? 
Um, I don't really know in Australia. Mm. Um, he, when, how I did it in the UK, you went after your intern year um, and then you did three years, so a year in general practice where you were supervised by a, um, a senior GP and two years back in hospital um, as we called it a senior house officer. So, and then you could pick what specialities. And so I did accident and emergency, paediatrics, general medicine, um, and what else? Was it psychiatry? A couple of other things, or paediatrics. Um, so you pick those special, so you do those specialities and you get some more experience. But I'm not sure here. And then uses the college exam as well, which needs to be yep. done at some stage. Is there anything in that training history that you did that you found particularly useful? Uh, paediatrics, definitely. Yep. There's an awful lot of paediatrics mm. in this. Um, so, yeah, that was really, really useful, being able to do that. Obstetrics and gynaecology probably less so, because if you're not going to do that, it's not so useful. Um, but, yeah, paediatrics was definitely the one I got the most out of. General practice is often seen as a very flexible um, profession, particularly mm. for, for women. Is mm. that the reality? Definitely, definitely. From looking at other specialities, it would be the most that I can see. So you can be flexible about what hours you do and what days you do. So here there's nine doctors and there's a maximum of six of us on at any one time. Yep. So we work different days and times and we cover each other when we're not here and cover each other for holidays. Um, and I only work three days general practice, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And what do you do with the rest of your time? So I'm a flight instructor. Really? Um, on a Thursday and Friday and sometimes on a Saturday at a local flight school. Wow. Has that um, had any sort of interplay with your professionally? Do, do, like, do, do some of the skills in one uh, help you in oh, the other? Oh, yeah, definitely. What, definitely, in, in yeah. What are the sort of examples? So I think um, kind of how aviation is, is run, um, and I know you've had some contact with the aviation <laughs> world, so how that's run, obviously it's, there isn't a governing organisation, but they're probably more approachable than Medicare are. And also they're very good at having procedures in place, having checks in place, um, which we don't really seem to have in the same way. So obviously every year you have to have a check flight with your head of operations, and every two years you have to have a full proficiency check or flight review. Um, with a senior pilot, so that's not something we get in medicine. We <laughs> not just, really, no. <laughs> once you qualify, you're just left to get on with it, really. That's it. So I found that interesting, watching that. Um, the other thing is, when I was learning to be an instructor, I found the way we were told to explain things very, very useful. Um, as a doctor, it's, there's so much to write on the computer, you spend a lot of time easily facing the computer screen rather than turning yeah. and facing your patient. Yep. And, when we were learning about teaching people on a whiteboard, you could see how inappropriate it looks to face the screen rather than turn around and look at someone. Yeah. So I have found that useful. And vice versa, being able to work through people that might feel a bit, or help with people that might feel a bit anxious or apprehensive when they're flying, I think my experience in medicine has definitely helped going that way around as well. Yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned technology because before you mentioned that um, you've been doing a lot of telehealth during the pandemic. Hmm. Where do you see the future of general practice? Is it going to be that close one-on-one relationship that you, you've said that you enjoy, or do mm. you see it more becoming technologically enhanced, as it were? Uh, there could definitely be advantages of the technology. Like, For example, just speaking to people about results, maybe referrals, things where they don't need an examination, don't necessarily need to be face-to-face. So it'd be interesting to see if that does carry on um, after the pandemic. Um, yeah, don't know really. 
don't know more from that. It'd be interesting to see how it all yeah, unfolds. Yeah, that's right. I think a lot of patients are probably, from what I've heard, a lot of patients are more interested in it than the doctors are. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think appropriately or not? No, I think they sometimes think it's easier, but they yeah. don't realise that they're actually missing out on a lot of extra stuff that we might think about doing, like doing a blood pressure check or checking the recalls are up to date when they're in just getting their prescription. Yep. Then maybe it's got a role. Yeah. Yeah. What sort of person would thrive in general practice? Who would you recommend this career to? Um, definitely got to enjoy talking to people because that's what you do in the majority of your day. Um, someone that's looking for a very varied role because that's one of the joys but also the frustrations is you don't know what's going to come in the door next and so you've got to be able to quickly flick from thing to thing and think about different a whole range of diagnoses. Um, and also someone that is looking for flexibility, both time and day-wise. Anita, thanks very much for your time on the podcast. Pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. For more great interviews just like this, please visit our website at oslocommunity.com.